What's up, guys? Owen here from The Professional Builder, and welcome to the show. We've been working with residential building companies since 2004, and in that time, we would have helped over 2,000 build in better resilience, more profit, more time into their business, giving them true wealth. If you're here and you're looking for systems and processes, the ability to hold and retain the best people and do the best projects at the best profit margins, then you're in the right place. That's what we specialize in, and it's what we share on this show. We interview great guests, great members, great industry professionals and we bring all of those insights and lessons and learnings to you here so if you like the show please like and subscribe comment and share with your friends if you think that there's somebody that would benefit from this insight then share it along with them we don't have ads on here we don't really do any promotional stuff all we want is for you to get the best value and you can do that and give us feedback and give us the fuel to keep it going by liking commenting and sharing All right, welcome to the Builders Podcast. Today we have an awesome guest. I'm very proud to have my friend, entrepreneur, property investor, property coach, worldwide renowned public speaker, and author of multiple books and this new book, Lazy, Happy, and Successful, Mr. David Leon. Welcome, my man. Marty, I'm so freaking pumped to be here. You're going to have to kick me out. Uh, I have so much stuff to talk about, and, and you and your people, and I'm ready to have some freaking fun. So uh, better get your socks on because I'm about to blow them off, my friend. All right, let's go. I love it. So I've known you probably for the last 20 years. And yep. in that time, you your journey has been transformational and read about it more yeah, in depth. I'm going to take book. a selfie, actually, before we even get started. Look at that. There you go. Fun. Awesome. I love it. Uh, yeah, my journey has been crazy. Freaking crazy. But when did we meet exactly? Do you remember? Oh, it's probably 20 years ago. I think we we both had an office on Kyber Pass Road. And quite often I would bypass you walking to get lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and my marketing manager was friends with your marketing manager. Oh, of course. That's right. So that's more like probably very, very early into me coming here. Because I, I came to New Zealand in 2005. So I've only been here for 18 years. 18 mm -hmm. yeah that's about right yep. so literally it was just after i came in that we met and yeah it's been an absolute whirlwind i was already investing when i when i came here i was already doing property uh, and then after that just been one strength after another really good decisions um some luck there is a big part of luck on everything that we do if we don't attribute that to luck i think that you're being uh, no it's not about being humble it's just about being realistic what's your thoughts on the interest rates have gone up over the last two years from two and a half to 2.9 to now at you know between fixed to six to eight and a half if you're on floating look it's it's logical because they printed so much freaking money they had to stop it from being useless and being worthless so the reality is that it's it's an strange actually let's go back one step it's a weird situation that I have lived through in 20 years when it comes to a downturn. Every other downturn that I've experienced, and I've experienced a few now, I'm, I'm literally starting to show my age now, but I've experienced a few of those, but it hasn't all been up and up, you know, and I see all these young developers who just only seen an up market for the last 10 years, thinking that they're going to freaking be the next blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, it's, it's up and down, right? But every time there's been a down market, what we have seen is lower interest rates because obviously it's driven by an by a bad economic downturn 
which drives the property market down. And we need to incentivize people to get back into the market and start spending. So how do you do that? Usually it's by lowering interest rates. This one is a manufactured downturn, which I find very, very strange and very unique. So the way that it worked is that they tried to slow down the market because people were pushing money. When you print money, as you know, uh, you're creating a bubble. You're creating that bubble, which money is going to be worth less because you have more of it. The reality is that it can go two ways. It can go into assets or it can go into uh, in cost of products. If, if it goes into cost of products, we have a Zimbabwe situation where everything is worth a trillion freaking dollars, right? That's shit. But what was happening early in the COVID um, pandemic situation is that everyone was pumping money into assets, especially property. That increased the value of those assets. And in order for people to stop doing that, they started increasing interest rates. And that's why it, it makes no sense. And we haven't really seen it before. It's really hard to, to try and draw any conclusions on it because the reality is that we cannot go back to the past and say, well, this happened in 1930 and this is the way that we came out. We don't know. Uh, and the problem is that we don't know how deep that hole is that they've dug with the crazy printing of cash. And we need to know when it's going to stop. And this could be, my, my feeling is that it could go worse. My feeling is that we still have a couple of other interest rate hikes and that the only way that it will stop is when we see a correction. I'm not going to call it a crash, a correction on the stock market. That will trigger the final dip before we go into a full recovery. So I think it's going to be kind of a W situation. We, we had a little dip. It's going to go even lower and then we're going to go up. Yeah, it's interesting the impact that it has on psyche. It, and you just have to make sure that the fundamentals still make sense in terms of finding a great site or finding a great opportunity that the cash, you can get as close to positive cash flow as possible. And yeah, the appreciation is going to be there. Well, yeah, there is a lot of money. And that's a, that's an interesting thing. So, uh, for example, I had a phone call because they wanted me to do an event in Dubai uh, with a famous speaker. And I've said not to it, but that's a different different conversation from a different day. But the amount of money over there, the, the shit that they're doing, the kind of developments that they're pulling, it's crazy. And it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so it's appealing to greed. There is plenty of greed. There is plenty of money in the market that, that hasn't gone out. Quite the opposite. There is actually more money than there was before. Uh, so the, the reality for... For the developers out there, you just have to find that money. You just have to make it sexy somehow. How do you make whatever it is that you're building more exciting for investors? And that's one of the things that I that most property developers struggle to understand is how to deal with property investors, which tend to be a, a massive chunk of all the sales for new property developments. Yeah, absolutely. And making sure that you get pre-sales to the right level for the bank, that you can cash flow it through to completion. So let's go back a little bit. How, how did you get into investing in property? Who did you learn from? What were your big lessons and what sort of deals did you start with and then evolve into? You know, what was your progression? Okay. Uh, I started 2002, started reading every book. I was working in Harrods spraying perfume for a living. That was my job. I was working in perfumery and cosmetics. Anyone's been to, the, to, that, to that room? That's what I used to do. I was just like, you know, that guy. Uh, I did study in the States, but I never, I studied biomechanics. That's my degree. I have a um, bachelor's in, in science and a couple of associate degrees also in science. 
So science always been a big passion of mine. I still still love that stuff, but I never worked on it. I couldn't find a job that made me more money that I could make doing this, which is absolutely nuts, right? So I started doing that, did it for a couple of years. It was fun. It's London. We got through that stage. Uh, it was just uh, that period of time where, where you don't take life seriously. And then one day I met who is now my wife and I knew that I had to do something different. That something different involved, like I said before, reading a shit lot of books, attending every single event that I could. And over there and then I realized that property was the most logical step for me to get into to do well. And I started doing property. I actually got fired from Harrods because I was reading and doing all this stuff and going, looking at the houses, doing deals. And I wasn't showing up to work, but I was still doing the same the same sales because I could, I realized as well that I could do just as good if I just really chose my time wisely and I did things that other people were not prepared to do. So I was still meeting targets. So I got fired, did this full time, started doing no money down deals because I had no money. So I was buying houses uh, using credit cards, loans from people, doing JVs, joint ventures have been a big part of my life. Um, bought a few, bought a few houses in, in the UK, bought a few in Spain because I'm originally Spanish. And uh, did really well on apartments in the um, uh, Costa Blanca. So just where I'm, where I'm right in the tip of Spain. Um, did that for a, a good year and a half, two years. And then came to New Zealand first time. And I was freaking shocked of what we have here. You know, like it was 2004, first time that I came here for a holiday. And we ended up buying three houses uh, on that little break because it was so freaking easy. And was your basic strategy at that stage, because you didn't have a lot of capital was it buy below value refinance and then go again or what was your basic strategy to get into the market with little capital yeah it was a shitty strategy to be honest i wish i had someone good teaching me how to do this um but my mentor at the time wasn't that good and it's one of the lessons that i that i learned to to really get people that know what they're doing um not just that they're doing it doing it is not enough to me there is a lot of people that they are doing stuff that doesn't mean that they're doing something right or that they know what's better for you so that to me it's it's very important so the guy was doing that because he had more cash i didn't so it slowed me down i should have applied different strategies more of a hybrid model which we teach a lot of the people that we work with uh, in which i should have sold more houses i was just literally buying holding refinancing doing it again trying to hustle here and there, trying to make money because I didn't have a job at that stage, whichever way that I could. I was doing a lot of seminars at that stage. And then people in the seminars asked me to come and help out as well and tell my story. So I started getting paid because the guy that was doing this all of a sudden was buying a crap lot of houses using no money down deals and everyone wanted to hear it. Basically, they were saying, hey, if you can do it, any idiot can do it. I don't know whether I should feel good about that or I should feel insulted. But the reality is that that's the way that it worked. It worked in my favor, so I don't give a shit. If, if that's an insult, I'll take an insult every single day. Do you start worrying about cross-securitization and minimizing debt and so forth? I always did. Uh, I, I was always very wary of the one-bank trap in terms of just cross-collateralizing everything. And I never had many issues when it comes to property deals going wrong. And that's really when it can come crashing. Or the other situation that I see a lot, which is people buying new builds or buying really negative cash flow property that's just because it's pretty and it's close to where they live. And then the market turns like we've seen. 
interest rates go up and all of a sudden they cannot afford to pay, they lose their job, they have to sell. So I've never been forced into that situation because I've always been very risk adverse. So that's, that's a very important characteristic of every form of investment that I get into, which is to minimize your risk. I've never, let me put this in a, in a simple way that, that doesn't confuse people, but I've never done this for money. Money's never been the name of the game. I've done this to have fun. I've done this to enjoy my life. I've done this because I enjoyed working with certain people. And for example, the amount of events that I've done, I've done them because I really enjoy working with some, I'm meeting some fantastic people. That to me is more important than the money. So I never really worried about it. And that's why I don't have that silver bullet mentality that I see so often, especially with property developers. Everyone just wants to be rich in one deal or, or one year or two years. And they, they underestimate just how much you can achieve in five, 10, 15 years. If you just keep it consistent, keep the bread and butter deals going uh, and do one thing at a time, but do it really well. Uh, it's seriously so much better for me uh, anyways. And for the majority of people, there are, there are people that are geniuses. I'm not one of those ones. They're just so good, so driven, so committed. I'm nothing like that. Yes, you can potentially then go for something bigger. I couldn't. I'm happy that I actually did it that way, that I did it the slow, but the sure way. So how can you talk us through a little bit about your model and how that's changed over the years? How's your business and property philosophy evolved? I've done everything. From uh, when I was here, I was teaching people to just fax offers. We're still using faxes, for Christ's sakes. That's how old I am. Yeah. So we were we were faxing maybe 50 to 100 offers a week and see yeah. which one would stick. Then GFC hit, everything changed quite a bit. Uh, but it was always still just looking at, at properties that I could cash flow very easily, that were very low maintenance, that I would have very low problems, and then looking at bigger things like infrastructure. For me, infrastructure has made me more money than anything else. When I see that something is happening, for example, the new road that joins uh, Auckland to Maracana, where I live, I'm like, well, shit, I need to move to fucking Maracana. It's uh, yes, I love the place, but the reality is that I also love making money on that mm. stuff too. So I started investing around here, around the area, any kind of infrastructure. Um, it, it, it's been huge for me. So when it comes to hospitals, universities, I smash that. You know, are you buying land now and cutting it up, or what? What? Or are you, what are you doing? No, uh, I've done a few of those, but they just take too long for me. It's mm. just uh, I've realized that there is essentially three times where you make money on this kind of infrastructure announcement. First time is when they announce it, when it comes, when it gets released to, to the property, to the people, right? Mm -hmm. So at that time, I tend to buy something. And it, it, that's a very small period of time. So it's about six months that you can have a nice little bump on pricing. Then three years before the infrastructure is being built. For example, a road like Transmission Gully, uh, we smashed it there, you know, all over. Uh, all over the little areas and no one wanted to invest in. And we're like, well, shit, it makes sense. It's crazy that people are not buying this up. So we bought like crazy three years. And that's that's a good year, year and a half of, of rapid growth. Then it dies down a little bit. And then as soon as it really sits open, then you have another year, two years of really good growth. So I'd rather just stick to that than go with the, with the chopping up. Um, in my experience, Councils over here are a pain in the ass and I can make more money by moving stuff quickly uh, yeah. rather than doing the subdivisions myself. I've never been a good developer. 
Uh, and maybe because I don't have that that extra level of drive that I do believe you need as a developer, I've been always more subtle and subdued in my decisions. But I have done the other model that worked really well was when I started Joe Public, and Joe Public was a business uh, property. I guess property regeneration, we called it, but mainly it's because we were doing dealing a lot of uh, or doing a lot of uh, leaky houses. That was our core. Right. I started that one as a joint venture as well. So that's when I was still in Kyber Press, uh, where we met. A joint venture with a builder, or who who did you? How did you go about no, finding no. those? No, no. A really interesting, uh, very wealthy guy from uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. So my best mate introduced him to me because he had moved to New Zealand. So he was pretty well off, a smart cookie. And they introduced us, we went to Yamcha in Kyber Pass, just at the bottom of Kyber Pass, and had a cracking lunch. And I came out of that meeting with two mil to get started. He said, you know, let's just do it together like this. Let's set up a business. He was a brain when it comes to marketing, branding, everything else. Uh, we started. I started getting those initial deals. So it was just big renovations or sometimes just quick stuff, but but that had some kind of a complication usually. And then I started getting project managers. So I started getting essentially sourcing agents that were working at, at doing the full renovation under us. And they were getting up to 30% of the profits as a split. So we started doing more and more deals, uh, specialized in leaky houses. We had about 35, 40 builders working under us at all times. Uh, we ended up with about 15 millions in, in the whip, in the work in progress. Um, and it was probably the worst time of my life. Really? In terms of work. Yes. Awesome. Good money. Good experience. I hate work. So it's not, not my thing. Yeah, I hate and it, within literally two and a half years, we sold that business for six mil. Mm-hmm. Uh, the business itself, besides obviously all the works in progress and everything else, uh, we had actually bought a property development company during that time in Sydney, uh, which was doing also very well. So it was a massive growth uh, period for me, but it also showed me what I don't want to do. Uh, so that model worked very, very well. And now what I'm trying to do with the new business that we've just launched with Real Estate Mastery is something very similar. I want to give people the opportunity of getting started in property, even when they don't have money, by being able to package deals for other people that have money. So we have put together a beautiful network where we mix and match these two kinds of so that they can still profit. Because what I learned by teaching people through 20 years on property investing is that there are two major things. People don't either have money or time. That's it. Those are the two biggest problems when it comes to property investing. Well, we fix both of them. We give people the opportunity to get started if they don't have time because we have the best finders packages that will put the deals together. And then we have people that have no money, the opportunity to get started on property and do well by being able to apply the principles and do it within our network, which is pretty safe because they don't have any risk. Awesome. I love it. And is this what country or countries are you are you going to be applying this to? Most of the deals are in New Zealand, but we have quite a few deals in Australia. For example, we have now a beautiful nine-bedroom uh, micro-apartment just outside Victoria that yields about 13%. Like, awesome. that's sexy as fuck, really. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously cool. New builds as well. 
So there are deals over there, but we'll move as well onto the UK. The UK deals will start probably on the first quarter, at end of the next quarter, uh, first quarter of 2024. And then we will bring the US as well. We expect to do that third quarter of 2024. And you've spoken on some big stages with some big high profile people from Tony Robbins to Richard Branson to events with two and a half thousand people. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like, what they were like, any insights? Yeah, oh, so much fun. It, 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 I miss that. You know, that, that gives me goosebumps. Even thinking about it, I really do miss that. And they became just a normal everyday thing. So it wasn't a big deal to talk in front of, I think that the biggest one was like around 5,000 people. The reality of those events is that talking to 5,000 people is a hell of a lot easier than talking to 50 people. And that's what people don't get. Uh, because you are talking at them, not with them. And that's one of the bad things about it, that you're just directing a conversation and you have to read the energy and everything else, of course. But uh, the reality is that it's very, it's not as much fun or it doesn't take as much skill as to run a small group with no energy of 50 people. That's that's hard. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Meeting people was always hit and miss when it comes to these big guys. Uh, guys that you expect to be absolutely awesome were absolute assholes. Some of the ones that you expected to be assholes they were the nicest people you have ever met. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's it's hard to to really be able to put into words just experience, especially the energy that you get of the crowds, um, the the after event um, get togethers, all that stuff. I mean, there is so much so much good that happens on those events. You know, guys like for example Grand Cardone. You know, who who I thought was going to be a harsh guy just because of the way he presents himself and had to deal with. Seriously, one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. Awesome. Yeah, his, uh, he's, he's got some great books out and he's been a prolific author, similar to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, but just the humanity of him, you know, just it's not it's not about money. And I thought that he is all about money because that's what he seems to be talking about all the time. But the man himself, it's, it's actually a beautiful person to, to get to know. Um, and it's, it's something that I will get back into again. The reality is that events is, is what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, I think that we have to be aware that, that this kind of situation that we had three years ago may repeat itself. Uh, and you have to be aware of that, of that potential and make decisions based on that. Now, I want to bring up this epic book your latest book that i've just finished reading lazy happy successful i don't think i've enjoyed a book so much in in the past five years i literally got some golden insights um yeah you've got some great stuff in here focusing on your network work 20 to 25 hours per week join a community so you break any limiting beliefs i enjoyed going through the values list and just prioritizing which ones were most important to me and am I in alignment with them? And also like the last chapter, the tips with the, uh, the health sauna. Can you tell us a little bit about what book is this for you? What number is it? And what are the big insights, takeaways? Like why should people, you know, go and grab a copy of this? This is my third one. Um, this is the fourth one, funny enough, mm-hmm. which I need to give you a copy. I still haven't given you one because I literally just got the copies the other day. So third one of the series, but this is completely different. Every other book, all the other three, including the fourth one, are all property-based. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't want to demean them by any stretch of the imagination, but to me, th- this means a lot more because it's about, it's trying to break down who I am and what I feel that worked in my life and what makes me happier. And then, because I've, I've worked out that probably the biggest reason of, of my success, let's call it financial success and, and work success in a traditional way, has to do with the kind of person that I am. And I don't think that we give that enough credit. Uh, so the reality is that people want to do business with me and be around me because I'm a good person and I'm fun to be around. I'm, I'm someone that's, that's going to create something, right? And that's what I wanted to put in into the book. Okay, besides that, what else is there that I've done different? What worked and what didn't? And one of the things that I was always called since I was a little kid is that I've been called lazy all my life, that I haven't been, I'm not a hardworking guy. I don't do 70 hour weeks. I've never done that in my life. It's horrible. Like I told you before, the worst time of my life was when I had to run so many different sites in terms of uh, of big property regeneration projects. It's not my thing. So is laziness a good thing or a bad thing? Um, In my view, it is a good thing because it forced me to focus on what was really productive and useful so that I could do the things that I really wanted to do. Absolutely. I think there's a couple of chapters that really speak to that. One is lazy success needs better systems. And basically all a yep. business is and your life is what you do. Exactly. That's exactly what you do. Day to day habits, systems that you have in place. You're empowering people with better systems so that they don't have to work their butt off so that they don't make the mistakes that sets them back for years. And that's one of the things that I've been lucky lucky and good to do, which is that I haven't been set back years because I've been very strict about what I buy and what I put my money in. And that is the key. And the people that also I surround myself with, that is huge. And that's what I think your guys are so lucky to have you and your people with, uh, around them because you guys can guide them through a plethora of uh, pitfalls that they're going to have to face during their career. And to me, that is essential. And I still surround myself with the best people and not so much now about money, just about life. For example, I just had my best mate coming from from Australia. He's a fantastic and award-winning property developer in Sydney. Uh, Seriously amazing. Actually, you guys need to do a podcast together. Mm. Uh, Mr. Ben Doyle. Yes, he is. I've seen him speak before. He's a a superstar. Awesome human. Yes. Yes, that's it. And he loves um, ice baths. It's changed his life, you know, from mental health to everything else. I've done quite a few, but I'm not as religious as he is. Well, there you go. You know, I just want to be surrounding myself with someone that's going to push me. So every morning we were doing ice baths or at least a plunge in the freaking cold pool um, to just be able to to get a core temperature down and feel better and do everything else. So I, I want to surround myself with people that are pushing me to be better overall, to be happier. And that's what's, uh, that's what life's all about at this stage. I, I think that's one of the biggest things in life or one of the shortcuts or hacks is surround yourself, be in a community, be in a tribe of people who are where you want to be. So if you want to be a better swimmer, go and join the best swim club. So you'll be up at 4.45, you'll be in the pool at 5.30, you'll be eating, sleeping, breathing, swimming, and getting better with a coach, a community of everyone focused on that goal. And I think that's chapter... Number four, be the dumbest person in your tribe. Yes. And and going back to that, I love tennis. Uh, I've played tennis all my life. Uh, But I kind of stopped doing that when I 
started taking life too seriously in my mid-20s to mid-30s. And I've gone back into it properly now. And for example, I have what I, who I believe to be potentially the best coach around in New Zealand. So this guy has actually won Wimbledon Junior. He won it the year before Roger fucking Federer. Awesome. Uh, literally. Who was that? And he's beaten uh, Wesley. Uh, uh, Wesley, Wesley Snipes. He, well, it should be a Snipes, right? He, he can hit the ball like a sniper. That's for sure. But uh, Wes is absolutely freaking amazing. He's beaten... Uh, number one uh, world-ranked player, that's uh, Marat Safin. He's beaten uh-huh. Songa. He's beaten the Bryan brothers, who are potentially, or arguably, I would say, the best doubles players ever. So that's I was literally having a session with him again yesterday. Fantastic awesome. guy. And that's the way that I get better, by pushing yeah, myself. Because you get the shortcut. You get, oh, my God. Here's yes. the ideology. Here's how I think. Here's how I approach this situation. This is what I do for training. This is what I do for Habitat. Here's my mental approach in this. And if you've got that in business and you're around those people that can shine a light on the road ahead, watch out for the potholes. It's a You can get there in 12 months, what might have taken you five to 10 years on your own trying to figure it out. Completely. And I'm, look, I'm 46. I'm not getting any younger. So I cannot run the way that I used to run. I cannot potentially hit and move the same way. So I need to find shortcuts. And that's what we're doing. For example, we're working on, on how to make the swim more efficient and, and the body movement so that I don't, I don't get as tired, so that I can still hit at basically the same speed without taking so much of my of my body uh, and that's hard because essentially what happens in that situation is that you go backwards in order to go forwards and that's what a lot of people don't get about coaching and learning that sometimes you have to go back because you have to get rid of some of the shitty habits that you have created uh, in order to move forward and that's what you guys have to do a lot of and I know that it's just okay you think that you know what you're doing but you don't have a fucking clue just go back two steps and let's figure this shit out together Absolutely. Quite often people don't need motivation to speed up. They need education to turn them around in the right direction. And the easiest way to do that is to look at the numbers in your business so you can make accurate decisions on what's the biggest lever that if you focused on that, whether it's average dollar sale, margin, number of leads, conversion rate, whatever, you can put energy into that, plug that hole, and then it makes more sense when you pour water in the top. It's not all going to piss out the sides in terms of wasted money and wasted uh, time. Completely. I, I do believe that. I think that it's just about breaking people from going too fast. From so, so applying the brakes is most of the times what we do, what I think you do as well, because they, they're going too fast too soon and they just don't know enough or they haven't done enough because they just, again, is that that silver bullet thing? Everyone wants it now. We have that problem with society is one of the things again that i wanted to cover in this book that we we're being marketed a dream that's bullshit it's seriously that the way that we have been uh, lobotomized as kids to just either be workers or be mega rich and that's the only way you're worth something it's freaking retarded it's so stupid and that people are falling for this breaks my soul it seriously does um so it's our job to just teach them that there is more that there is there is a different way of looking at, at life um, and achieving the things that they want to achieve because people don't don't spend time, like you said before, looking at the priorities, which is one of the things and values that I look in the, in the book. Well, why are you doing that? To impress people you don't even care about? What, how is that even logical in any, in any world or for any normal human being? You have to be doing things that make you happy, that make you who you are. Uh, and they don't have to be that complicated. Absolutely. What would be your top, well, I'm just conscious of time, we've got three minutes left. Uh, what would be your top 
three tips that you've learned in property over the years for someone looking to get into property or scale uh, what they're currently doing with their portfolio? That's good. I'm not prepared for this one, which is awesome. (laughs) With top three tips. First one, work on yourself. That's the first thing. I would say that's that's a core before you get started. Because if if you're not ready personally, it doesn't really matter how much you know, where you do it, how you do it. It's irrelevant. You're still going to screw it up. Or it's going to take you so much longer, it's not worth it. So that's the first thing is work on yourself first. Uh, The second one is surround yourself with the best that you can. Uh, be pa- be part of a group, yep. of a tribe. Mm-hmm. That that to me is essential. Uh, and then the third one, know when to get out. That's another thing that no one tells you about. But honestly, uh, most people don't want to do what they do forever. They they find other things that they enjoy more. Well, know when to get out, and and you are more than your job, so you don't have to just keep doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm uh, I'm heading up to Matacana tomorrow, so I might bring my tennis racket. We we must we're overdue to have a hit. Um, where can people get hold of you if they want to know more about property, looking to get into investing, uh, or they want to get in touch? Do you have a website, IG? What are the best uh, yeah. places for people to follow you or get in touch? Yeah, if you if you want property stuff, it's Real Estate Mastery. So uh, it's realestatemastery.co or realestatemastery.co.nz. Mm-hmm. And over there, you can get everything. You'll, you'll get to know what we do. We have some really cool videos explaining you what we do, how we do it, and why we're the best doing it. Uh, so easy to get a hold of me there. Uh, obviously, it's on all of the social channels. So feel free to, to join all that, all Real Estate Mastery. Uh, if you want to know more about life in general and what you know the lazy way is, there is a website for that as well, lazyhappysuccessful.com. And um, buy the book. It's in Amazon. It's in every other bookshop. If they don't have it, they should have it. So just ask them. They'll bring it in. Uh, and uh, do let me know when you read it because I'm uh, at this stage, it's a soft launch stuff. So we'll launch it properly early next year. And it's just uh, about trying to get really good, happy testimonials like yourself who enjoy it and have a laugh. and get a, Even if you get a couple of things about it, it makes me happy. Awesome. Dave, I love it. Go out, buy the book, realestatemastery.co.nz. Check it out. Thanks for your time today. You've been an absolute pleasure, Dave, and get out there and crush it. Cheers, brother. Love love being with you, my friend. Talk to you later. See you, bro. Thanks, everyone.